In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. During the last five weeks, as we have celebrated the season of Epiphany, there has been a theme that has been present, perhaps a little obscured from time to time, but present nonetheless. Honestly, it didn't dawn on me until this week when I was studying this passage from Mark's Gospel for today's sermon. So, if you didn't catch it, it's all right. I didn't see it at first either. Let's revisit some people we have met during our season from our Gospel readings. On the evening that we celebrated the Epiphany, January 6th, we encountered Magi, wise men from the East who followed a star, and they traveled from their homelands until they met Mary, Joseph, and the babe. On the second Sunday of Epiphany, we learned about St. Philip, who was stirred by Jesus' teachings and found Nathaniel, who also became a follower. Epiphany 3 saw us meet Simon and Andrew, and they were called by Jesus to become fishers of men. The next week, we see Jesus in the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he heals a man of his unclean spirit and restores both a man and his community. And finally, last week, we heard of Jesus healing Simon's mother-in-law and how she immediately began to serve them. Do you see the theme yet? No? Well, here it is. In each of these five stories, we heard and read that people who encountered Jesus were changed in some way. They may have been changed only in a small way, but they were changed nonetheless. The Magi changed their minds about returning back to Herod, and they went home by another route. Philip was called by Jesus, and that calling caused him to find Nathanael and changed both of them to believers. Simon and Andrew were changed from fishmongers and sailors into men who fished for people. The man possessed by spirits was changed into someone who no longer was a slave to their will. And the healing of Simon's mother-in-law changed a sick woman into a servant of our Lord. Encounters with Jesus change us. We are changed by Jesus in ways that we need to be changed. Jesus didn't try to heal Philip. He taught him. Jesus didn't call the man with the unclean spirits to follow him as a disciple, but he healed the man. Jesus takes those portions of our lives and changes them as they need to be changed, rather it be through instruction or healing or calling. And we must be willing. Jesus can't help us, can't heal us, unless we too are willing. But I have left something out. This is the first of two passages that we read during the Epiphany. The first one was when we heard what we heard on the first Sunday after the Epiphany when we remembered that Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John. 
And the second is today's reading, the transfiguration on the mount. Let's think back to the baptism. This year we read this passage from Mark. And its place at the beginning of his gospel shows us that at this moment, Jesus' ministry is inaugurated. The baptism is the launch pad for Jesus' public ministry, and it is here that we have the first words spoken by the Father. You are my beloved Son. Jesus' own life was changed at that moment, and everything now leads to a climax that we know is soon approaching. Today, Jesus is changed again. We say that he is transfigured. Mark's description says that his clothes became dazzling white. This change is the revelation of the glory of God in Christ. This transfiguration puts all that Jesus has done all that he has taught, and all that he is about to do into perspective. Flanking him on either side is Moses and Elijah, symbols of the law and the prophets. The fulfillment of Jesus' earthly work is nigh. This change also, like the other people we encountered during Epiphany, changed Jesus. From this point on in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is moving towards Jerusalem, moving towards the cross, moving towards the tomb, moving towards his resurrection. Jesus, who was changed at the beginning of our Epiphany season, is now being changed again. His true glory is being revealed. And for the first time, to his disciples, that which we know as the incarnation is being made manifest to them. And just as when Jesus began his ministry, and we hear God declare Jesus as his son, now we hear the voice of our Heavenly Father once again declare, but this time to the disciples, that this is the beloved Son to whom we are to listen. There is much speculation about what the transfiguration really means. Is Jesus being comforted or encouraged by Moses and Elijah? Was the transfiguration for Jesus' benefit or for the benefit of the disciples? And why this moment? Why this display? And why here? before he moves to Jerusalem. Like many of the mysteries of the church, this is one of those mysteries that as we ponder it and unwrap it, it becomes even more complex. Jesus is moving through public ministry towards his passion. In the story of his life, this is the turning point where all things become clear both to Jesus and to us. Jesus came not just to heal and teach and feed multitudes of people. Instead, our Lord Jesus, true God and true man, 
the Prince of Life, came to save us through our sins, from our sins, through his death and resurrection. The glory that we see here is only a foretaste of the glory of the only Son of God. Change is always occurring around us. We have changed much over the last year or so, in some ways for the better, in other ways perhaps not so much. We have changed our social patterns. We have changed the way we are even the church. We've changed our habits and perhaps even our values. But one thing that we must always be attuned to is the changes that occur to us from God's love, grace, and mercy. We are healed, forgiven, made whole, and restored to righteousness through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But we are also changed each week when we come here and, we, and receive the bread and wine the very body and blood of our Lord. And we pray that we don't leave the same as we came. Each Eucharist is in itself a transfiguring of our own selves. One of our Eucharistic prayers reminds us as we pray it that we are to leave this altar in church changed by what we have received. We call it Prayer C, and it says it like this. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. It is like our own confessions of sin when we say we are sorry. But we also must commit to repenting and turning away and striving to do better, to not let those sins and temptations hold sway over us. But we must also guard ourselves against changing for the worse. While we can change and rightly celebrate that change where our beloved Lord has touched our lives, we must not become complacent or even perhaps arrogant and proud about our gift of grace, or even slip into a malaise that sin no longer matters, and we are free to do whatever we wish because Jesus forgives us. That is not the change which Jesus brings to our hearts. Jesus' transfiguration is a moment of clarity for he and us. And our own moments of learning and changing and receiving are times when we receive clarity as well. We are changed, and we will continue to change. God's goodness and grace is one element of that change. But we also must be willing and strive to change ourselves to be patterned after our blessed Lord.